Slinging It Deep podcast. The broadcast was kind of sketchy about this because Tony Romo was talking about it with uh, Gene Steratore. And Gene's like, oh, well, the two receivers ran fade routes, so no one's in the area. And then Jim Nance goes, well, what about P. Ryan right there? Gene has no response. They just cut away. Tony Romo takes over and goes, yeah, you just can't do that. You, you got to find someone. Like, just completely did not acknowledge that P. Ryan is in the area right where the ball is thrown. Hello and welcome to the 25th episode of the Slinging It Deep podcast. I am your host, Dan Hayes, and today we are finally back from our week hiatus. Uh, took a break last week after the divisional round uh, with our busy schedules with school starting up. Um, but we're back to talk some football and joining me today, we have Evan and Connor. Connor, how are you doing? I'm good. I just had a really disappointing lunch from Dunkin' Donuts. I had the, literally the most stale bagel on the planet and then the culotta i bought was just like a frothy liquid when i was handed it so i'm i'm very disappointed with dunks right now i have to make a new lunch post pod that's unfortunate but i will say the blame is partially on you for getting duncan's as your lunch yeah it's a nice quick lunch and then i can have a good dinner fair enough <laughs> Evan, how about you? How's your day? Uh, going pretty well. I will just say, Newman, uh, you know, you can open your curtain or something like that, maybe uh, let in a little light. Uh, very dark <laughs> in your room. I'm not even sure if it's cloudy out or what, if you still have a blind down. But uh, all in all, going pre- doing pretty good. I've had this fucking cough for uh, quite some time, and it's kind of back with a vengeance today. So, sucks. Well, that's that's unfortunate. I hate to hear that. So, yeah. um, hopefully, it just maybe stays a cough and doesn't get worse. But oh, yeah, good, good job, Newman. My life uh, died this morning. I guess. Oh well, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, I feel bad. Making us making assumptions before you fucking yeah. All right. Found right. the answer. Go ahead. Um. So, like I said, we kind of had the week hiatus, so we weren't able to talk about the divisional round games. Um, so we'll kind of use this pod to talk about that, but also talk about the conference championship, some early Super Bowl thoughts, talk more about the Super Bowl in a week, but, um, we'll get kicked off with these divisional games, starting off with, uh, the Jaguars at the Chiefs, obviously the Chiefs win 27 to 20, um, a game that was closer than probably what some would expect. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence and those guys, uh, played pretty well in the second half. Um, and then obviously you have the whole, um, Mahomes ankle thing going on. So um, interesting game, kind of thinking a week back. Um, what are some of your guys' thoughts on this game and maybe more so about the Jaguars? And we'll start with uh, Connor. Yeah, I think it, it shouldn't be understated how valuable Chad Henning was uh, to the Chiefs' victory. I know he didn't do much on the stat sheet, but leading mm-hmm. that touchdown drive from their own two was quite impressive. Um, and Pacheco was, was a big part of that. As far as the Jaguars go, I thought they played a fine game. I mean, it was pretty much just all Christian Kirk in the first half, and they started to work in Zay Jones. Evan and I actually watched this game together uh, down in Boston, which was fun. Um, 
I don't know. I just feel like they played a good game, but the, ultimately the better team won. I don't think they should be, you know, disheartened by this loss. They made it pretty far considering no one had them in the playoffs to begin the year. Certainly I didn't. Um, and they found a good coach and a good quarterback. So I think there's a lot to look forward to uh, if you're a Jags fan. Yeah, it's definitely a good team. And, you know, we'll talk about the games this past weekend. I mean, it just is tough to lose your season on a play, uh, on just a heartbreaking play, right? With Jamal Agnew, they're still in that game. They still have a shot, and that happens. It's funny. We always see these tough, heartbreaking losses in the playoffs more so than the regular regular season. And I think, obviously, that's because of the whole emotional aspect and, like, it matters so much more. Um, but I thought Jacksonville played pretty well. They hung in that game. I thought Trevor Lawrence did just enough. But, again, there were opportunities for the Jags to uh, get more points. I mean, you think about the Lawrence bomb, the Kirk, that was maybe a little overthrown, maybe should have been caught. It was kind of a 50-50 there, but that would have set them up um, with a chance at a touchdown before half. So, listen, I thought Jacksonville had a great year. Nobody thought they'd be there. Uh, and I think it's tough. It's tough to go into KC and win no matter who you are. And I thought they did a nice job and played pretty well. I agree. Um, you got to give all the props to the Jaguars. I mean, obviously I'm a little biased with Doug Peterson, former Eagles coach, but um, they're, they're, Jaguars are going to be a very good team uh, in the AFC for a couple of years. Um, I mean, Trevor Lawrence kind of showed that he was worth that number one overall pick. And we talked about that multiple times this year, but um even though it's a loss, it's very inspiring for the Jaguars. Um, I think the front office uh, kind of proved that they knew what they were doing this offseason with all the moves that they made uh, in some big spots. Obviously, Christian Kirk, uh, Zay Jones making a couple of plays, Evan Ingram, um, and there's a lot more on defense as well. Uh, uh, yes, Evan? No, that's a great point about the front office because I remember everyone wanted Trent Baalke fired. And then he makes all these great signings, especially offensively. And people are like, oh, okay. Like you're forgiven, but props to him. I know people were calling for his head at one point. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure everyone on this pod basically was, um, but it, I guess it goes to show if you kind of get a, a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, at least some weapons, I'm not saying like Christian Kirk or Zay Jones are the best players in the world, but if you can get a system around him with at least, a, a decent supporting cast. I mean, to make the divisional round that gives uh, the AFC representative chiefs uh run for their money in a divisional game. So uh, props to the Jags, but I mean, like Connor said, just chiefs were the better team and they deserve the win. So nothing much else there, I believe. So um, we'll move into the next game, uh, which is a thumper. My Eagles beating the New York Giants 38 to 7. Um, the Giants, my, really, my only take from this is the Giants never got off the bus. Um, there was no energy from them. The Eagles dominated the entire game. They get some weird wildcat touchdown on that burrito. I mean, they just they look like they didn't belong in this game, which is kind of shocking given how well they played against Minnesota. But uh, Connor, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean Daniel Jones looked like you know his old his old self. I mean sacked five times, not really his fault. The Eagles defense is quite a lot better than than Minnesota, but he, like you said, I mean they really didn't get off the bus. They might as well have just gone home after the first quarter. I mean Isaiah Hodgins, who was the like the hero in the the first game against the Vikings, had one catch for two yards, I think. So 
on what they did. And to their credit, I mean, like in the first game when they held Jefferson in the second half, A.J. Brown only had three catches. But unfortunately, you know, the Eagles don't have to run their offense through A.J. Brown and just proceeded to run all over them. Evan and I were watching at, or at the Northeastern Hawks game watching it on some girl's phone in front of us, <laughs> just yeah. laughing our asses off every time Miles Sanders or Boston Scott would bust one up the middle. But I don't know. It's, it's a tough way to end on, like, it's a low note on what was a pretty nice season for them, and I'm sure they'll be fine as long as they keep uh, Barkley and, and Jones around. Which I assume they'll try their best to do so, but they need weapons. I think that's at the end of the day, you know, Hodgins and Richie James aren't aren't going to get it done, and you have Galladay eating up all that money, um, and he's not performing either. So a good offseason, and they'll figure it out. Um, I don't have too much to add. I guess I'd just say, I mean, this was a case of – one team being a lot better than the other and the Eagles offensive line proving that they are the best in football. I mean, they just dominated the line of scrimmage all game long. Um, So credit to them and their run game and the play calling um, from Shane Steichen, I thought was good in that game. Just pound the ball. Uh, They had some really good drives in the fourth quarter, uh, taking a lot of time off the clock Um, for the giants. I don't know. It's like you had a great year. You also had a soft schedule at the beginning of the year, and you went to seven and zero, and or six and zero, seven and zero. I don't know. I don't know what's next for the Giants. I can't, I, I have a hard time finding out what kind of team they are. And it wouldn't really surprise me if they flopped maybe next year. I don't know. And also, we'll get into the game this past weekend. But for Kayvon Thibodeau to go to Twitter and say, "I think we might have been better than the 49ers is an absolute disgrace. A disgrace. The 49ers would have rolled over Daniel Jones. And I don't like the Giants because they beat the Pats in two Super Bowls. But now I'm having reason to not like them again because of this Kayvon Thibodeau clown who feels the need to open his mouth all the time. So he's clear, he's quickly becoming a very unlikable player, in my opinion, uh, which is good because I, I don't like the Giants. Um, Kind of about that, uh, I guess, also added on when Joe Staley, who I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame or not, or if he'll make the Hall of Fame, but outstanding player for the Niners. And Kayvon Thibodeau is just like, who are you? And then when obviously people uh, point out his uh, reputation and what he's done, Kayvon Thibodeau is like, but if I don't know you, like, I, I just don't know you. Like that, <laughs> That's all there is. Like, I just don't know you. Like, just shut up, man. You, you got stuck in a bad take. Deal with it. So I agree with the notion that he's becoming a player that's hard to – like so um just kind of last thoughts i guess about the game i'll talk a little bit about the giants um i'm interested kind of going off of what you said evan i'm interested to see what they are next year obviously you have to pay daniel jones and it looks like he's maybe going to get around 30 million dollars or north of that um and it's just going to be hard to build a roster around that when you got so much money tied up in kenny g i don't know what the capital implications look like if you try to cut him and no one's going to trade for him so there is some money tied up in Leonard Williams on defense. Um, I, I don't really know what else they got in terms of money. Um, Connor would know best in terms of what their cap situation looks like. Um, and I, I assume they got to pay Andrew Thomas soon. And now he's quickly becoming a great left tackle. So you're going to have to pay him. I think he, they got another year or two until they have to pay oh, him. That's good. Okay. So that that's at least in their favor, but I mean, it, It'll be interesting. I respect Brian Dable, um, obviously coach of the year finalist. So I, I assume he'll be able to figure something out, 
But in terms of roster building, I think the Giants kind of have an uphill battle, which could lead to some regression next year, which is a little unfortunate. I mean, obviously, NFC East opponent, I'd love to see the Giants suck. But I think when you look at a team that was able to turn it around like they did, um, it'd be unfortunate to see them take a step backwards. So, And in part two, real quick to just one quick point I have to, I feel like you see it a lot of the time with like, these first year coaches and there's not a lot of expectation because you've never really, there's no sort of film with Daniel Jones working with Brian Dayball and whatever teams struggle to adjust to that. But now that teams have a whole year of film on this and can prepare more, say like the commanders, Eagles, uh, Cowboys, whatever, I think they're bound for a regression and it'll depend on maybe if Washington gets a quarterback or whatever. And, and that's playing what ifs, but I just think they're bound to not be as good. That's fair. Also, yeah. I just I just thought they also have to pay Saquon Barkley. So good luck, Newman. When it comes to our sim. It's not it's not my team. That's Colin's team. Oh, yeah. it's not oh so good luck to Colin. That, that I have I have Washington. Don't forget I tried to fucking uh, okay. trade trade for Lamar and then you trade him to yourself, you fucker. <laughs> Hey, Colin decided that deal. That was entirely out of my hands. So um, we'll move off of this game. I'm sure we'll have enough to talk about with the Eagles um, coming up with the conference championship games. But the next one uh, will be the Bengals and Bills. Uh, Bengals winning that one 27 to 10 in the snow. Um, I think this really just comes down to a very disappointing end for the Bills uh, with the type of season that they had. So, Connor, your thoughts. Yeah, I, I think, like, after the first quarter, I was like, you know, the Bills in the snow should easily be the favorites, and it looks like they're fucking treading water, and the Bengals were just running all over them. It was the complete opposite, I think, through the first quarter, and the Bills had gone three and out, and Burrow hadn't thrown in completion. They were 14 nothing. It was At that point, I was like, yeah, it's kind of over at this point. And then the, the Bills, to their credit, started to claw their way back, but when you're not throwing your star player digs the ball and you know he's making those outbursts on the sideline it's just so not not a good look and they keep showing all those like stats where he never gets the ball in big games and I don't know that that's a product of you know the defense making sure he's shut down or the team just not making an effort to get him the ball but either way he's frustrated which I get um I would certainly want the ball if I was as good as Stefan Diggs um I feel like on the Bengals side, they were just able to spread the ball out. There's no selfish behavior there. Even mixing like 20 carries on the ground. Um, haven't really seen a lot from him lately, so it was good to get him over 100 yards and into the end zone. Um, but it was a very selfless team, um, and I think it showed. Every player, I think, caught like five balls, and Burrow played great. So it's a great win for Cincinnati. Yeah, it was a great win, I think, going into it. I was heavy on Buffalo just because I thought, like, the DeMar Hamlin story, they'll be playing with a chip on their shoulder there at home. It's cold. Just, like, all these things that you would think would benefit Buffalo. And I'll leave Dan to talk about this point more but because I know you brought it up. But, like, I think the Bills miss Brian Dayball a lot because you have a first-year OC. And, I don't know, Ken Dorsey, like, seemed to be a good coordinator. But, again, Josh Allen definitely regressed. Um, Sean McDermott's not working with the offense per se. And um, I think that might have hurt Buffalo a little bit. Like the offense looked a little lackadaisical at times, a little sloppy. Um, 
And again, I still think that they need a running back. They need a one, like a number one back. I, I don't cook's good. Singletary's good, but they're not like, you need a good running back in that system. Um, so again, I'll leave Dan to talk more about that point, but again, disappointed for Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, I think when you look at it and I think a lot of people really harped on it this year is that when you look at turnovers and what Dable was able to do with Josh Allen, I mean, Josh Allen really was not known for turning the ball over last year, or the year before that. That's why he became so good, became an MVP candidate because he was making these explosive plays while not turning the ball over. And then towards the end of this year, it seems like Josh Allen was throwing a stupid pick uh, every game, maybe even two. But then you look at Daniel Jones and he only had five interceptions on the season. And Daniel Jones was very much known for turning the ball over. So I think having somebody like Brian Dable that's able to put the quarterback in the best position possible, turnover free football, um, it speaks to why the Giants were overachievers and why the Bills ultimately became underachievers. Um, I don't think the Bills had that great of an identity on offense. I think the passing game was very sporadic. Um, it was very inconsistent at times. Um, did, like Derby games or where Diggs is getting 10 targets and then there's games where he's only getting two. You're only getting knocks the ball so many times. Isaiah McKenzie is getting a few gadget type plays. There wasn't this sense that like everything was clicking. And then obviously we talk about the run game. I think the Bills offensive line sucks. And then you pair that with Devin Singletary and James Cook, who I think are just B tier type of running backs. They're not great. They're not going to make anything out of nothing or out of nothing. So it's, I think that maybe what we fell victim to is the superstar players that the Bills have and not realizing that the rest of the roster was pretty poor. I think the defense was very overrated in terms of what they had on paper. I, I think they're maybe just an overhyped team. They had a great year, a great record. But when push comes to shove in these playoffs, you need a good roster, as we see in KC and uh, San Francisco and Philadelphia. I think the Bills just became an overhyped team. And you add the DeMar Hamlin uh, story on top of it. I think a lot of people wanted the feel-good story. We all wanted to see DeMar do well, and he is now, and I think we all want to see the Bills win for him. But, I mean, unfortunately, Cincinnati is still trying to win the game as well for their own sake. So I think when, just like I said, push comes to shove, they're overrated in a bit or in a way, and Cincinnati was just a better team that day. I do think injuries were something that hurt. Buffalo defensively, obviously you lose Von Miller for the year. That sucks. Um, you lose Micah Hyde, who's a really good safety. That sucks. You have Jordan Poyer out there, who's clearly banged up, not 100% at all. That sucks. Tredavis White, not as good as he once was. That sucks. So it was a uh, an accumulation of a lot of different things. Maybe 100% healthy. They fare a little bit better in that game. Just a quick shout out to Brian Callahan and Luana Rumo uh, for just, again, doing a great job. I think uh, both of them uh, deserve their names in some head coaching conversations, whether it be this cycle or next cycle. Absolutely. And I believe they both are getting an interview with the Cardinals and then Callahan's actually getting a second interview with the Colts. So they are now getting looks that they've since been eliminated. Yep. Um. We'll now move on to the last divisional game, which will feature Evans Cowboys as they lose to the Niners 19 to 12 in one of maybe the ugliest playoff games ever. Um, outside of maybe that uh Jags Bills wildcard game from way back with Blake Bortles and Tyrod Taylor. Um, that ended like nine to six. So um yeah, we'll start with uh Evan on this one actually to talk about his Cowboys 
Um, I mean, I think the defense, and I, I've said this, I mean, the defense is great. Um, Mike Parsons really good, uh, as we all know. Just all around, like, they're well coached. And I, there's not really even these game-breaking players that they have. I mean, they have good players, don't get me wrong, but they're, like, it, the system is what I think makes that defense so good. The offense is where the issues obviously are. And, I mean, Dak Prescott, again, I, I hate to – you know, talk about Dak Prescott. But, again, like, you have to play better, bro. You have to play better. You can't go 23 for 37 just for 206 yards and one score. And I understand the run game being limited, so, like, hurts you. And I get that. But, I mean, why are we even bothering to run the ball with Ezekiel Elliott? 10 carries, 26 yards. San Francisco's the number one run defense. Why was that, Why was Zeke anywhere in the game plan? He should never have been in the game plan. And I understand Tony Pollard gets hurt, whatever. They should not not have had any plays for Zeke lined up. Uh, and again, CeeDee Lamb has a good game. To me, the issue was no wide receiver two, which to me kills them. Noah Brown, T.Y. Hilton, Michael Gallup, not, not twos. They're just not wide receiver twos. So a lot of pressure on Lamb. And again, you know, he'll draw double teams, whatever, like who's going to step up. And Dalton Schultz did a good job all year. He's kind of that second guy for them, but just not enough weapons. The game plan, I mean, I don't agree with running the ball and Dak just not great. So that's, those are kind of my takeaways. It, it, it falls solely on the offense and, uh, you know, tough to see Kellen Moore go, but I think he'll be in a better position with Los Angeles. And I don't know, Mike McCarthy calling the place. I mean, give me a break guy. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I mean, I thought this was actually a pretty entertaining game. Like, there's those games where the defense doesn't let up any points, but it's because the offenses are absolutely terrible. But this, like, this one, both defenses were just really good, and it was fun to watch. And the 49ers, those two picks ended up being a difference maker. They were able to score, I think, two field goals off those, and that proved to be the difference in the end. I think just to echo Evan's point, I don't know why they're giving Zeke the ball. I was just looking through his game logs. His last four games, 50 carries for 100 yards. He's literally two yards <laughs> of carry. Uh, I, mean, I feel like a, an average Joe could just fall forward for three yards uh, every play behind a good old line. So that's just pathetic. I don't know why they bother to use him. And yeah, a lack of anything outside of CD Lamb kind of proved to be killer. Um, you see sparks from Noah Brown and Schultz at, at different points during the season, but they weren't all able to get going at the same time when it mattered the most. Um, as far as the Niners go, I just thought they're their game plan was solid, good on first down. They ran well, and Purdy made a couple throws when he needed to, although he didn't have to do much either. Um, but it was really the defense that won them that game, uh, and Dallas, disappointing finish. Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. I feel like Stephen A. Smith almost. What just, happened? What happened? I mean, this team, every single year, it's our year. We them boys. No, you're not. You have an overrated quarterback that you decided to give a bag, which somewhat I understand. It's the, it's like the Kirk Cousins paradox. You you could do so much worse, but you could like, you could do better, but like then again, you could do so much worse. You could like, have Mac Jones. It, it, it <laughs> um, like so I get it why you have to pay him, but he is extremely overrated. He like this is a game where he if you can't run the ball the. The ball has to be in his hands, and he has to throw for, like, 300 yards or something like that. The best quarterbacks can do that, and he just can't. I mean, he'll have his games where he statistically looks great, 
and they're putting up 30, 40 points a game. But it seems to be when we get in these, when the lights are the brightest, he can't play. And listen, do I think he sucks? No, I think he's a serviceable quarterback. But we need to stop saying he's a top 10 quarterback when he's just not. He's not. And in terms of Zeke Elliott, I think we all know he's just washed. I mean, running backs have so much mileage on their tires, basically. Um, it sucks that Tony Pollard is out of the game because I think that limits what you can do in terms of uh, just being an explosive offense. Obviously, as you say, Zeke only has two yards per carry over his last 100 carries or whatever it was, 50 carries. Um, so the offense just wasn't explosive. C.D. Lamb, kind of underwhelming down the stretch this year, I think. My, uh, Michael Gallup looks terrible coming off the injury, honestly, as a deep threat. Uh, and honestly, the fact that you have to rely on Noah Brown in a very old T.Y. Hilton, it's not that good. Kind of poor roster management at the end of the year, and it seems like they're putting too many eggs in the OBJ basket, maybe. Yeah, where's OBJ um, at? <laughs> where's OBJ? Um, Dalton Schultz obviously is going to leave now because he's going to be worth too much money. And the offensive line looks it looks decent, I guess, with um, uh, I forget his name, Tyler Smith coming on. But the offense is extremely overrated. And they're using Kellen Moore as a scapegoat. Really should have just fired Mike McCarthy. Jerry Jones has way too many. There has a loyalty issue going on. It took him forever to fire Jason Garrett. Um, <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It, it's a train wreck. And they're lucky that Dan Quinn isn't getting a head coaching gig because he's going to keep this defense as a top 10 defense. Um, but I mean, Cowboys just, I hope you don't pick them again next year. They have a good year. You, you, oh, you better I'm not. Done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I hope you learned your lesson. Like there was some magic last year. There was, I felt it a little bit. Like they were a lot better last year offensively. And then this year, like, I don't know. I just, and then of course I don't pick them against Tampa. And then I don't know. Tampa's another story, but no, ne- next year I will not be uh, on uh, Dallas's train. We'll have to have a uh, anticipation for when we do our record predictions and we have to assume which team is your Evan team of the year. Like uh, the Cowboys know. every year. So. I know. Hey, if if any team is sort of my team of the year, it might be Philly, saying they could win fourteen games and then picking them to win the Super Bowl. I don't know. I'd still say it was probably Dallas, but Philly's probably your my second option. Fair enough. Um. So obviously that wraps up the division around talk. Um. Wanted to hit on that before we do move into the conference championship games. Um. Which. We'll try to get this out of the way just because I think it was the most boring, most lackluster game. Uh, the Eagles winning 31 to seven. I know it's my team and I should be really excited, but I mean, my God, the first half was an hour and 40 minutes and it was just full of garbage. Um, I, I, I'm extremely happy. I'll start with my thoughts. I'm extremely happy that the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. Roster is extremely talented. Um, and I do feel bad for the Niners kind of going out that way. Brock Purdy gets hurt and, you basically have no offense the rest of the way. Um, sucks that they'll lose to Miko Ryans to what it seems like the Texans now. He's done very good with that defense. I'll be interested to see what they are next year. Um, I mean, hey, Eagles got the one seed. They took care of business. They get, they're healthy at the right time. All 22 starters from week one are back. Um, I'm very excited to see what these Eagles can do in two weeks in the Super Bowl. So, Connor? Yeah, that might be the, the most boring playoff game I've ever watched. Um, 
like especially in the first half, like every time the Niners would make a play on defense to seemingly get back into it, they'd take a stupid fucking penalty. And you got to like D'Amico Ryan's just ripping out whatever Harry has left on the sidelines. He's pr- mm-hmm. practically packing his bags in the first quarter um, after his team just takes holding after holding and fucking unnecessary roughness. I, I don't even know. Like the Eagles just ran the ball over and over again. And the fucking Purdy not being able to move, like, throw the ball and fucking Johnson there. <laughs> like what a joke that was. I mean, you should have gone to McCaffrey or something in the first quarter right away or like let Debo throw the ball because the running obviously was not going to get them anywhere. And really we were all just cheering for the Eagles to run out the clock after the second quarter. <laughs> uh, that was just pitiful. I mean, good win for the Eagles, though, but damn. Yeah, it was just a very boring game. And I'll, I'll echo that point, Newman. I mean, you're down, what, I don't know, 14 in the fourth. You have the ball or whatever. I can't remember if it was 21. But it's like you need to be throwing the ball. And Kyle Shanahan's just running the ball with Brock Purdy in their quarterback. I'm like, take him out. Like, give yourself a shot. You got you to gotta be throwing the ball. And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and correct anything Kyle Shanahan does because he's incredible at his job. But – I would have liked to see, again, agreeing with Newman, that sort of change and kind of like, you know, pretty only threw four passes, but yet he was, it felt like he was in there still in the fourth quarter when they were down multiple scores, handing it off. I, I just thought that was weird, but Philly's defense was great. Shout out Hassan Reddick and, uh, and what Philly was able to do. Well, I will say, uh, sorry, Connor, hold on. I will say, I don't know who they would turn to because Josh Johnson goes out with a concussion. I mean, you're then left with, Christian McCaffrey, who had that crazy pass that went to nobody 40 yards downfield. <laughs> or you're left with Kyle Juszczyk, who is the emergency quarterback, but he, he's a fullback. I mean, there's no one really to have this evasive drop-back game to get them back in it. They were screwed. They might as well just go with the guy that knows the most run plays. Yeah, no, I would like fair. to say, real quick, before we go to the, the other game, the fucking – the referees – with their like instant review have been like pretty good all year and then the fact that they don't quickly overturn that smith drop or even shanahan doesn't throw the challenge flag when he sees smith like hurrying the team up and then the ball that clearly hits the wire like you saw the camera angle of it clearly you touched the wire but they don't have any views of it i was like the referees cannot get any worse and boy was i wrong because the, the fucking the following game was a shit show but like how they don't have these camera angles right away that we can see on the TV is just preposterous. Um, and fucking Brett Kern is down there having a fit over his ball, but no. Jake Elliott was having more of a fit. John yeah. Hussey's crew is terrible. Like I've seen get how are they getting in a championship game? I have no idea. Like you look based on what I've heard and seen, like this guy's crew is one of the worst crews and they're giving them a championship game. All I'm saying is for the Super Bowl, you better get like, uh, what's his name? Bill Vinovich or whatever. He's great. Or Cleet Blakeman. Someone like that. Someone that's good. Uh, the, the two crews this past uh, Sunday were ridiculously bad, but not, that's my point. Um, I will say I made this note in the chat yesterday, and this kind of goes to Newman's point. The fact that we still have this sky cam with cables in a stadium where we have drone technology where like drones can make the craziest videos possible. And they're used all the time. How does the NFL not have a drone camera? It can be so easy and it can like, I think it would honestly give you a better shot 
of an, a play than some of these sky camps. Why do like we had this whole talk about like the ball deflecting off the wire with the that Pats Bears Monday night game when Mac Jones could supposedly throw a pick because of the wire. Like why why is this even in the field of play? Like like just the NFL, you have billions of dollars. Just switch to a drone where you could have it as high as you can and the camera's still gonna look really good. I don't get it. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Like it's fine to have it out there on like when the offense is out there because you get some cool views. When they're fucking punting the ball in the air, <laughs> move the camera. It's not that's that hard. So weird. Get the get the wire out of the way. <laughs> they maybe they're too busy on trying to figure out how they would rig the second game. <laughs> so uh, kind of just segue, I guess. I don't believe the game was rigged. It's just very suspicious. But the Chiefs do win 23-20. to 20. Um, I mean, like I was just saying, there's so much controversy with this game on Twitter. I think half of America thinks the NFL is in bed with the sports books, and that's why the Bengals trending. didn't win. Yeah. Um, just, I don't know what to think of this game. I mean, officiating was terrible. Even if some of the calls are right, how they handled it, all their calls and how they time, kind of time shit out. Uh, the, two, the two third downs, I mean, it's a really bad look for NFL officiating. Um, again, I think a lot of the calls that did make were correct calls, just how they kind of handled themselves. that pissed down their leg, and it made the product look really crappy and really sketchy. Um, it sucks for the Bengals. I mean, they had a lot of opportunities to go and win the game themselves, take the refs out of the equation. But, um, yeah, just sucks for the Bengals. And there's going to be a lot of people that look at the league and going to be up in arms, basically. There are people like that. But, I mean, shout out to the Chiefs. They're going back to the Super Bowl. They're going to play the Eagles. I mean, now we have the Kelsey Bowl. Yes. I'm excited for that podcast, if they release one. Um, I don't even know, like – yeah, the officiating was bad, but like that, the double third down that drive didn't amount to anything. And then, you know, you kind of just beat yourselves with that that penalty at the end of the game, uh, which I mean, probably would have sent you to overtime otherwise, which is a bummer. I was really excited to see the new overtime rules in action with a really two really good teams. But I don't know. It was just so funny when no one knew what the fuck was going on. And then they just awarded him another play. And then they have this video replay of this, the back judge from like, way down the field being like i blew my whistle it's like <laughs> no one heard you dude <laughs> like what's going on not to mention the no. the uh the holding on eli apple right after and it's like all right this shit is fucking stupid yeah. it was such a like a ticky tack holding too it's like oh my god what why did he blow his whistle like was there a reason the clock was running i think when it wasn't supposed to but that, like, once you notice that, man. do not let the play happen under any circumstances. Like, like what the I don't even care. Blitz on the field, ref. Like, go go get involved in the play. No, I don't know. It's – I don't know. I'm so used to, like, the Pats being in these playoffs and the games being so good and, you know, Pats being, like, deadlocked with Pittsburgh or whatever. Like, just really fun, intense games – get Tom Brady out there and like we're just left with just bad games bad games and honestly I know the game was close but in my opinion it was a bad game um it just I don't know I I don't really have much to say I mean Newman kind of echoed all the points but when you think Chiefs Bengals you think of one of the best rivalries in um 
in football and you just want it to be a good game. You want it to be a good product. And the fact that it wasn't is definitely tough because, you know, that, that had a chance to be a, a game of the year. And uh, unfortunately it wasn't in a lot of different ways. And then you see even, and again, Dan talked about the whole picking and choosing when to throw the flags. Again, I tend to think you can call a flag on a lot of plays. And, you know, on the play, Mahomes gets knocked out of bounds by the Bengals player. Like, you can see there's, like, three holdings there. Like, why aren't those called? I don't know. It's it's making the sport a little bit of a joke, and they got to figure it out. But, I don't know. Ron Tolbert's making 250 k a year, so I don't think he cares too much. Yeah. He, he does not care. As long as his pocketbook looks good, um, his wallet is, is uh, filled, he's fine. It's fine. Um, I will say – I have a problem with that uh, intentional grounding. Samaje Pirine is right, right there. there. He's right there. <laughs> and they even the broadcast was kind of sketchy about this because Tony Romo was talking about it with uh, Gene Steratore. And Gene's like, oh, well, the two receivers ran fade routes, so no one's in the area. And then Jim Nance goes, well, what about Pirine right there? Gene has no response. They just cut away. Tony Romo takes over and goes, yeah, you just can't do that. You, you got to find someone. Like, just completely did not acknowledge that Pirine is in the area right where the ball is thrown. It That that play was definitely – that that flag is sketchy. And I think intentional grounding is kind of a – I think it's a weird rule in terms of when refs decide to throw it or not. It's really stupid. Yeah, it's like because like I don't like that he can just get out of a sack by just throwing it at his feet. You know, like it's kind of annoying. Yeah. But at the same time, if it's in the rule that the, the running back is within ten yards, like then it's not a it's not grounding. Like Piran is literally right there. Yeah. Everyone's freaking out, and it's disappointing. Like that the refs are, have become the storyline. Even before the game, they were talking a lot about how this crew doesn't call a lot of flags, so everyone's hyped. Because it over like that fourth down play to Jamar Chase and double coverage, like that was a really nice play. That tipped pick by that Cook dude was really nice. Like there were some really good moments that kind of get spoiled by the mm-hmm. the storyline at the end being the refs. You know that that Jermaine Pratt video fucking ragging on him for losing them the game it when it's a team sport you know it's kind of ridiculous um i just have a quick thought and i don't know i don't really know again how all these replay rules work but i know in hockey right if again completely different sport but if the puck say may have gone into the net uh you know they'll blow a, a, a siren in the arena and then they'll it'll like go to replay if there's a big hit or whatever, and they say, all right, this is a five-minute major, they go look at it to to confirm. There's a lot of, like, good stuff with replay in hockey. I'm just wondering why in the NFL, say, for example, on the Devontae Smith play, for example, um, maybe when someone is watching the game and, and can maybe call down and say that's incomplete, like, so San Francisco doesn't even have to challenge because that's just a miss on the refs. You know, maybe on on that P Ryan play that you talk about, maybe that's something that warrants some sort of review. And like, maybe we should check this out. I don't know how it would work, but to me, there's a lot of mistakes there. And that, and then you get these results where everyone's pissed at the refs. We'll say, if you do go down the rabbit hole of you can review any penalty you want, you're going to be pretty upset to find out that there is a ton of holding calls and a ton of nitpick type penalties that happen on every play. So. Oh yeah, I'm not saying every play either, yeah. but like these crucial moments. I and it would have to be some sort of very you know in-depth thing, but yeah, you know, just to avoid some of these misses. Yeah, I, I think um, 
I think I'd, I'd like to see them just kind of reinvent the, the roughing the passer rule. Like, I don't think that should be challengeable because that just goes down a slippery slope, but maybe talk about it, maybe set some guidelines. So it's not as a, you know, objective call. Um, and I like, I like what the NHL does when they, like when a team scores, they have designated guys like who work there just as video people who call down on the coach and are like, Hey, that was offsides like instantly. Like why like yeah. teams need teams should like invest in that more. And it's like, I know they have that automatic review or whatever, like the efficient review, but like it didn't go into effect when Smith dropped that ball and Shanahan even said right. we didn't have time. And the view we got when he saw on the score, like he's looking up at the fucking scoreboard to know if he should challenge or not. You know, there should be someone, yeah. you know, in the booth uh, with her, with the angles. A coach I know in hockey, right? Like you'll have a coach like with some sort of like, airpod in or whatever the hell like something in in that communication so like for example maybe a coach close to shanahan has that in and immediately you get that call down all he has to be like is like oh here's the flag there you go and i think that's what you're saying newman yeah they do that in baseball too well that was our little slight ted talk about how the refs suck and how we can fix officiating across the league in instant replays so but they were talk they about the game just to me it just turns to the, the refs that's just how it went mm-hmm. so, um yeah. so yeah that's the two conference championship games one is nothing much to talk about the other one is talking about basically not football so great weekend nfl great weekend um in two weeks, we will have the Super Bowl, obviously. Uh, we'll probably have a pod dedicated to it, but just kind of some quick early thoughts on Eagles and Chiefs. Obviously, my takes, Eagles are going to steamroll them just because I want to speak it into existence. Uh, but I'd like to get your guys' takes, kind of just some quick early thoughts. I think it's going to be close. I think it comes down to can the Kansas City defense, can Spagnola do anything to- stop the run game, keep Hurts in the pocket. I think that's really the only way to have a chance. And, you know, the offense, even with the injuries they had in that Bengals game, still found a way to move the ball. I think getting Pacheco moving would be really a good thing. Um, it's going to be hard to do against that Philly D-line, but you put it all on Mahomes, you know, it's hard to put a, a whole game on any quarterback's shoulders. So he could struggle, but I, I, I currently think the Chiefs are going to win, although it's going to be very close. And I, I'd be really happy if Jalen Hurts were to win a Super Bowl. I said before, and I said this earlier, but I had before the playoffs started and when we were doing our predictions, I had Philly. The more I think about the game and the matchup, the more I'm hesitant to pick Philly. I mean, I have to stick with them. I like Kansas City. Uh, a lot. I think they're obviously a much more difficult matchup than um, San Francisco. And I know, like, Collins brought up this point. Philly, I mean, you look at the schedule. I mean, have they really – I mean, this is the biggest test they've had by probably four times. Um, this is going to be a huge game. I'm still going to pick Philly just because I had them. I don't feel confident about the pick. And, again, that that could be subject to change. But I think it is going to be a really close game and a really good game. And uh, – I'm really excited to watch. I'll say this. You play who's on your schedule. The Eagles have 14 wins. They're 9-1 and one against teams with, with winning records. So take that for what you will with easy schedules. Um, I think the Eagles 
roster is absolutely loaded. I think the Chiefs have some spots where they are vulnerable. Um, I, I think this offensive line has showed that they can shut down any pass rush that they face. I mean, Nick Bosa looked like a average scrub out there. Couldn't even get past Lane Johnson, who has a torn groin. He's torn it twice now within a month. So, and he still looks dominant at the right tackle position. Jordan Mailata is easily becoming one of the best offensive linemen in football. Um, and then obviously you have Jason Kelsey, who's going to be a Hall of Famer. Just he's going for it all. This is his last game. This is his last time playing in the NFL. I mean, that whole unit is playing outstanding. And I think that makes everything on offense easy. And then defense, I think Jonathan Gannon is starting to prove himself. I've kind of been harsh and critical about him, but I think this playoff, he's actually had some good game plans. Um, and I mean, obviously you look at every single position on that defense, they got a dog, they got a player. Um, and I mean, the whole defenses look great. So I, I think the Eagles will win. I'm biased in my pick, but I do think that the, the Eagles have a very good chance at winning this game. So Comes down to if they can cover good. Kelsey. No one has CJ Gardner Johnson's got it. He'll be fine. That's what I'm thinking. I think that has to be the game plan. But I mean, they put. Jesse I'm not worried about him. any of the receivers against Darius Slay or James Bradbury. I'm just not. You're not telling me MBS is beating James Bradbury. You're not telling me Juju Smith-Juicer is beating Darius Slay. You're not. Yeah, but they don't have to when Travis Kelsey gets 17 targets if they can't stop it. Okay, they just so have a plethora of guys. I said they just have a plethora of people like Hardman back. Uh, you got like Sky Moore, Juju, MVS, Kelsey, Pacheco, McKinnon. Like, there's a lot of guys that can maybe step up and make a play. And it's obviously going to be tough. Like, you know, the Philly defense is incredible. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I definitely think like the Chiefs have a chance to make maybe some big plays. And and you know, we'll see what happens. But um, again. Philly's been great. I'm not taking anything away from that. Yeah. I'll try and keep the talk a little short so we have some stuff to talk about next week, and obviously we'll get Colin's takes on this as well. So um, just kind of some quick early thoughts. Um, I don't believe in terms of Sim, for those that uh, listened last time around, uh, we did an intro with Sim in terms of coaching changes. I don't know much in terms of player movement has really taken place for us to have kind of a recap right now. So I think we'll kind of let that go. And yes, Evan, you could talk about your Mike McCarthy firing. Yeah. So, I mean, after I found out that Mike McCarthy made this ridiculous move to, you know, get rid of Kellen Moore when he's clearly not the problem. And as Dan said earlier, you're looking for a scapegoat and you're just scapegoating the wrong guy. I've had enough of this guy. Um, so I made the decision to um, to fire him, uh, and I'm very happy about it. And so looking for a candidate, a lot of the, the coaching cycle is almost closed. It pretty much is closed with every team kind of having a full staff. So I looked to the college area and uh, Jim Harbaugh. I was able to sit down with him, and, uh, you know, Jerry was a big fan at first. You know, he's promised a lot of success, great energy. He's excited to work with Dak, which is good. Um, and uh, he's all about accountability. So we're ready for it. You know, will he have sleepovers with any players this time around? I'm not so sure, maybe. Um, but it'll be good. <laughs> Talk about just an impulse move. I mean, you wanted to fire the guy 
like week 16 said they lose the wild card, which they will. He's fired. They win the wild card. That he, he still could get fired. Kevin texted me after the game. He's like, well, could I even hire a coordinator at this point? I'm like, probably not. He's like, fine. And then this happens. He's like, I don't care. I'm firing this dude. This guy's a bum. I'll get back to you with who I want. And I was like, I couldn't even imagine who he was going to hire. I thought he was going to go out and get some retired coach. Mike Zimmer. <laughs> yeah, go get Mike Zimmer. Bring Deion Sanders in here. Something that'd be crazy. Yeah. That'd be wild. Thankful that, that, for that's uh, your... thanks for letting Kellamore go. Um, happy with the fit in Indy, but they did an even better job in real life, and the Chargers got him. So let's fucking go. <laughs> Seriously, that's a great move for them. I think they'll be more explosive and more creative. I think it's telling for the Cowboys that really milliseconds after he was let go, the Chargers instantly hired him, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. It's going to be good. Uh, Cowboy's going to Cowboy. That's right. He's in a better spot now to maybe get a head coaching job uh, in one of the next few cycles. So he wasn't – if he stayed there, uh, he would probably would not. So it's a win. It's a win for him, and it's a win for Los Angeles. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I believe that wraps it up. Unless anyone has something else they want to talk about. Anyone gonna watch the Pro Bowl? <laughs> All right. With that being said, that's the end of this episode. If you are, uh, if you're still listening, appreciate it, and uh, we'll catch you next week for some. We'll do some Super Bowl talk and maybe some NFL award predictions. So, Sweet. Awesome. Peace no out. Pro Bowl preview. I'm not even talking about the Pro Bowl. Screw the Pro Bowl. The roster is going to be a joke. You're going to see the fifth alternate quarterback starting somehow. It's not happening. So. We'll catch you next time. Later. Put your tears away and no fear today. You can drive off towards that summertime sunset. The sweat you ain't done yet. Take the keys, leave the regrets. Write your letters, place your bets. I'll be the one who accepts.